Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, New Zealand rugby makes moves to connect with the country's Pacifica population and two Samoan kayakers secure their seats at the Tokyo Olympics. But first, the Secretary of Tonga's National Rugby League says he is shocked the association's been expelled by the sport's governing body. The International Rugby League Board announced the expulsion this week, the latest move in a long-running battle over governance and money. The TNRL has been suspended since October after it sacked coach Christian Wolfe over disagreements around control and finances, which led players to threaten a boycott. International Rugby League recommended a package of reforms in December at the end of a two-month investigation into the operation and governance of the game in Tonga. 30 days of consultation ended in January and IRL confirmed a resolution had been passed to expel Tonga. TNRL Secretary William Edwards says he can't believe the decision. I was surprised, very surprised, um, disbelief and uh, a bit of anger and resentment but Having said that, you know, we've got to, as professionals, just get on, get on with our job and do our job. And the next step for us is to file a notice of appeal. We'll be done within the seven-day period. Uh, we've engaged lawyers to, to undertake that process. And I think it'll become more evident what the basis of our appeal is going to be. But at the end of the day, you know, this seems to be formulated on the consultation process that they sent out to all these people saying that um, the RLIF is undertaking a reform process for a need to seek change to the governance structure of Tonga National Rugby League. Now, I've seen that letter, i received that letter, and in my mind, um, I still don't understand what's the basis of law that a governing body can turn around and impose a governance reform or structure change in any national federation's governance or constitution or laws. Have you had an opportunity to raise those issues with the International Rugby League? And have you had that a response? To, to them, saying what legal basis do you have to implement change? It's like saying to the New Zealand Rugby Union, oh, we don't like your governance structure, it's not inclusive, therefore we want you to change. But what right does the World Rugby have to tell the New Zealand Rugby Union to change its laws and its governance structure? Have you had a response from them? No. No response to any of our inquiries by our lawyers. So, so what involvement did you as TNRL have in this 30-day consultation period that ended last month? None, other than to question it, none. So there haven't been any face-to-face discussions or meetings over that time? We asked for mediation, and our lawyers sent a letter requesting mediation before they made the decision, and they decided in their notice of expulsion that mediation was not meaningful. In other words, meaningful for who? For them? So, so you're saying they got to make that decision in their opinion, without giving you that opportunity to have that discussion. Absolutely right. We asked for who the stakeholders that they spoke to, no response. We asked for the results of that, no response. Don't we have a right to know what people are saying about our 
governance structure and change before we actually they actually uh, expel us. Are you aware? Do you know what their issues with the governance structure as it stands are, or are you not aware of that? From the results of that uh, consultation process that they say that they sent out to all stakeholders, no, I don't know what their results are. Apart from the fact that they said from our results, all stakeholders agreed to change. It's the basis of their expulsion. And has there been any communication hey, between... I mean, I mean, have you ever seen anything so ridiculously flawed in all your life that you're going to punish someone or in, in, impose a penalty on an entity when they haven't done anything wrong, but you're imposing on the basis that you believe they should be changed in terms of their structure? or their governance, or their constitution. Are you optimistic in light of all that and in light of the obvious chasm between the two parties that, that there can be a positive outcome from your point of view and from TNRL's point of view? Um, I'm forever hopeful, but the thing is uh, we're there to fight on the basis that we're not fighting for something that's meaningless or we're not fighting for something that's uh, worthless or uh, non-meritorious. We're taking the challenge up on the basis what they did was not recognised by any law. I mean, what law is there in this world when it's not even in there, expressly not even in there, their own RLIF, now IRL, Articles of Association, there is no legal basis for them to expel a member merely because they don't like their rules and their form of governance. Under their uh, constitution, I think there's two reasons or two two examples where a, a member can make a complaint about another member, which has obviously happened in this case, and then they do their investigation and then they've decided that the uh, evidence is, um, has been proved, the allegations, uh, the facts alleged in the complaint have been proved. So I guess in that scenario, IRL obviously believe that whatever's been alleged is true, but you're not clear what has been alleged, what you've allegedly done wrong, what is against, as you say, law. Well, well see, see, that's where the fraud, fraud comments are coming from you on. Firstly, you're saying that it was proved. Right. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying it's proved. I'm saying just under the constitution, that's what it says. That, um, that if the board is satisfied that the facts alleged in the complaint have been proved. So I'm just saying that. That's by, right. That's right. Yeah, that's I'm just. Right. I'm just then saying why, that. I'm saying why that. Did, why did they call? Why did they call for an investigation after our suspension? I, I don't know. I'm just saying that the board has obviously come to the conclusion. I'm not making a judgment whether they are correct in doing that or not. But but that is obviously what they have done. And, and obviously you are disputing that they were correct in coming to that judgment and, and that the facts do stand up. No, but see, last year Jeremy was just given an interview to you guys at Radio New Zealand. Yes. And he said, yes, we had every right to sack our coach. They didn't inquire as to why we sacked our coach. They didn't even ask us for the reasons why and, and, and the grounds for and the evidence. Right. His statement was, but if they're going to do such things which has consequences of their actions, which affects the commercial viability of international games, how is that a breach of the international rules? That's the Secretary of Tonga's National Rugby League, William Edwards. New Zealand Rugby is appointing a Pacifica engagement manager who will be tasked with giving the country's Pacific Island community more of a voice in how the sport is run. The role is the first of its kind for the governing body and partly comes out of the Respect and Responsibility Review from 2017, which highlighted issues around player welfare and increasing participation in the sport. The Head of Respect and Inclusion at New Zealand Rugby, Karen Skinner, says it's a significant step forward for the organisation. Um, and I think a lot of people have said, you know, we, we should have had this a long time ago and it's it has been a long time coming, but we're really excited to see this role finally established. Um, 
in part it came out of um, the respect and responsibility review which came down in 2017 that we uh, our board accepted and and we are implementing and there's a lot of recommendations in there that relate to Pacifica but also um, in this year we're reviewing our longer term strategy we have a strategy that comes up to the end of 2020 and so a big part of this job will be to make sure that um, our Pacifica community and rugby has a really strong voice in our in our strategic planning going forward. And so that's why we really wanted to make sure it was this year as well. I mean, obviously you are New Zealand rugby, so yeah. um, and New Zealand has a strong Pacifica population. So is this role focused exclusively on New Zealand's Pacifica rugby community? Is there any overlap with, you know, obviously New Zealand's relations with Pacific Rugby Nations or communities over there? This role will be primarily focused on what New Zealand rugby is doing and, you know, all of our partners within New Zealand. But um, I think for a lot of Pacifica people, it's a slight arbitrary distinction because what's happening in their different islands is really important to them. And um, I think we tend to draw a distinction, but there isn't necessarily one. So while the role will be primarily focused on what we're doing, I think, you know, it will have to have some um, perspective on what on what else is happening and, and for New Zealand rugby obviously um, wanting um, a really strong vibrant um, you know rugby across the Pacific is really really important for us as well. I mean so there's obviously different facets you've got players you've got administrators I mean I know NZ Rugby was involved in a Pacific leadership study uh, Navigating, sort of, two, navigating worlds. two Worlds uh, yep. with AUT um, which talked about obviously getting more Pacifica and and people into positions of responsibility or giving them that opportunity at the very least. Um, yeah, absolutely. Do, do those sorts of outcomes and, and those that research, does that sort of fold into this in any way? Yeah. So after the um, Respect and Responsibility Review, well, the Respect and Responsibility Review definitely challenges us to ensure that there are more Pacifica people in non-playing roles. And the research that came out of Navigating Two Worlds really um, has given us um, a lot of information about how we can do that better. And I think the next step for us is to make make sure that uh, we are strategically thinking about how we can roll that out around the country. The Respect and Responsibility Review has also, you know, called out a lot about um, player welfare. Um, we've obviously wanting to um, keep increasing participation in the game and Pacifica are a big, you know, priority within that. So there's a lots of different pieces of work and what this role will do will make sure that we're really thinking strategically about those priorities, looking at what it will take to, to really roll out a lot of the programmes that we want to be doing. And how does the professional versus sort of the community uh, rugby, um, is it sort of primarily at that grassroots? Uh, is Are there parts of, you know, professional players who are obviously of Pacifica descent that, that can be used to, as part of this? Or Yeah. So this role will work um, across both kind of grassroots or community rugby and in our high-performance environments and really looking at what Pacifica people are telling us both in those environments and the wider community they think NZR needs to be doing. And then as we start to map out our priorities, we'll, we'll need to look at what's needed in, in those spaces, both in terms of community and high-performance, and also what we need to be doing in NZR to make sure that we're you know increasing our cultural competence and being a much more inclusive workplace. People involved with NZ Rugby now, such as Sir Michael Jones, who obviously have that interest in Pacifica and that background and are very passionate and have spoken about those issues uh, for many a years, have they had an influence on, on this sort of role and will they engage with whoever the, 
lucky uh, appointee is? Yeah. So we have um, so many amazing Pacifica people that are involved in every part of rugby and, and this role will really be to connect with a lot of those people and make sure that their voice in New Zealand rugby is really strong. Um, you know, Sir Michael Jones has been a real advocate for the creation of this role and he's been on the interview panel, um, so will be part of the appointment and, and, and is obviously... Um, got uh you know huge knowledge huge experience to to feed into um how this role shapes out as well so yeah and you know it's obviously amazing to have our first pacifica person on our board to be able to help guide this work there's obviously been in recent days some strong comments from the uh pacific rugby players association about new zealand rugby and and what they do for the pacifica players teams etc in this country um is this something that could help that? Are there other things NZ Rugby needs to do? Because I guess there's always that natural tension there, isn't there? Because you've got, you know, a team that is well, up until recently number one in the world and obviously has sent benchmarks and then you've got the Pacifica Nations that have struggled for a long time and are always treading above water to some extent. So I think this role um, will be able to uh, ensure that there's a way for a lot of people to have a voice within NZR and kind of feed in information. Um, so I think, you know, where there are tensions, having someone in here who can really help guide us will be really, really important. Um, they won't be able to influence every decision, but I think um, ensuring that we're really kind of culturally responsive and aware and understand what Pacifica people um, want will be will be really important part of this role. So that person will naturally be liaising with, be it Pacific Rugby players, be it current Pacifica players, be it other, you know, Pacific Rugby governing bodies, etc. They they've got that scope to sort of go around and and whatnot. Yeah. So this role will work um, with a whole lot of our partners. Obviously, Super Rugby clubs and provincial unions, um, the Players Association, the Pacifica Players Association. So yeah, they'll be you know they'll be working with um, a range of our stakeholders. And then um, their role will really be to bring that back and be guiding NZR and, and giving us some advice on um, how how we can be, you know, more resp- responsive and more inclusive. Had you been told that you weren't inclusive, that you weren't that sort of thing? I think if you look at the um, participation in particular of Pacifica people in non-playing roles, you'd have to say that something's going on and that we absolutely need to be more inclusive. And what um, the research from Navigating Two Worlds shows is that there are a lot of Pacifica people who want to be taking up non-playing roles, but there are some barriers to them um, in particular about how we kind of view and prioritise and appoint people to leadership. So what we've seen is when we focus on those who are currently in the rugby system and really equipped them with more cultural competence and awareness and mentoring and when we also empower Pacifica people that we're really starting to get some results. So I think yes absolutely there is more that we need to do and we're not as inclusive as we want to be and you know this creating this role is is one step in our journey. That's the Head of Respect and Inclusion at New Zealand Rugby Karen Skinner. Two Samoan kayakers have secured a spot in the Tokyo Olympics after impressing at last week's Oceania Canoe Sprint Championships. Anne Cairns placed fourth in her heat in the women's K1 500 race, but was the first athlete from a Pacific nation to cross the line, which was all she needed to book her spot. Her coach, Gavin Elmiger, who watched the results live from Auckland, told Tale Anderson he was ecstatic with the result. I am very proud of her for qualifying. Very, very proud. Did, were you watching or did she give you a call? No, no, like I was following the results live and then I gave her a call afterwards. I mean, she didn't realise initially. Um, 
until they, they, until they said, oh, look, you've qualified. She's like, what? She couldn't believe it. So she was like, like a, all the stress, and, you know, just come off her shoulders. So now there's a possibility one of the Cook Island girls may qualify for the Games as well. So that's exciting. Oh, that is so awesome, especially for Isn't our Pacific it? Islands. Oh, it's so wonderful. You know, these girls put so much in. You know, they haven't got the support of those massive big countries, and then now they have an opportunity to go into the Olympic stage and represent their country. This is what these um, continental champs are about, getting the smaller countries to, onto, the, onto, the, onto the world stage so they can then, you know, go to Olympics and represent their Pacific nations and all their countries, really. Absolutely. What's, what's next for Anne after this? Uh, now to focus will be Olympic focus, so trying to get to her best result. Uh, you know, when she gets back, we'll probably have a bit of a debrief when she gets back, and then we'll be looking at or get her best performance for Olympics so that when she gets there, she can line up and feel like she can give it her. And any news on the boys yet on how they've been doing? Yeah, so Rudy um, was second Oceania, but then we're just waiting to hear if Australia will take the spot for the C1. But what happens is um, Aussie's got a very harsh, very, they've got a qualifying time. So if the C1 doesn't do it, then it'll go back to Rudolph. Now, Tavar was second behind New Zealand K1 uh, Quaid, but that's the same. New Zealand's got a very, very strict qualifying for Olympics. You know, you have to be in a medal contention for them to send you. So that'll now, we'll probably find out in the next 10 to 20 days um, what's going to happen with the those two spots. So there's a strong possibility that could be the case with both of them, so it means that both of them could be going. But, you know, that's probably, we'll know that in the next four, four or five weeks. Gavin Elmiger. And since that interview took place, Clinton Tuva'a has also booked his ticket to Tokyo after coming third in his K1 200-metre heat on Saturday. And that's the Warden Sport for this week. I'm Finney Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. You can check out more on our website, rnzi.com. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.